Hello! Thank you for joining me in a very random surprise bonus, I don't know, Mel was in a mood and wanted to say hello podcast episode. It is Monday evening, the 16th of May, and I'm just feeling super anxious right now. Honestly, I'm going to be hopefully flying to the US in, I don't know what it is, 48 hours? Oh my God, 36 hours? But I have to have a negative COVID test to enter the US and I'll be getting that first thing tomorrow morning. So I thought I would have a chat with you about what I'm going to be doing in the US and also what I was doing last week when I was in Sydney at another kind of conference. I have no reason to suspect that I have COVID at the moment. I have no symptoms and I'm feeling really quite well, uh, but I'm just still feeling really anxious because I'm kind of in this weird space of wanting to get excited about my trip and packing and getting some US dollars and all of the little things that you have to do before you go away internationally, starting to remember what that actually looks like because it's been quite a while. But I also don't want to be disappointed if I have got COVID at the moment and I'm not allowed to get on a plane. So (laughs) let's do a podcast episode instead to take away some of that uh, health anxiety and give me something to do this evening. To the point of my trip, I am going to the first ever VCon, which is an NFT conference that is hosted and organized by Gary Vaynerchuk, the one and only Gary V. And it is really a collection of his community, the V Friends NFT community. Now, to get a ticket to VCon, it is actually your NFT. And when we talk about NFT uh, usefulness and utility, access to events like this make a lot of sense. And it's a phenomenal use case and almost becoming best practice. I think Gary has just set the bar so high in an actual real world utility for your digital NFT asset. Now, I don't actually own a VFriends NFT. I really, really, really want one. Uh, and I hope to get there one day. But they are out of my price range after I invested in a whole lot of other NFTs. <laughs> and I could flip a couple and buy in a VFriends like my World of Women or my World of Women Galaxy. But I just love them too. So I'm holding strong. However, there is an awesome individual in Melbourne who I don't actually know in person, but have met online through his project with a friend of his. They run the Everyday Sloths Project, which was one of the first Aussie NFT projects that launched uh, very late last year. And he has a VFriends. He couldn't make it. And so he messaged me in January and said, Mel, do you want my ticket so that you can go? Um, and I said, okay, yes, please. That would be amazing. How generous. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. And so what happened was all of the VFriends owners were then dropped, airdropped a VCon access ticket. So it was separate from your actual VFriends NFT, which is really great. And then those tickets were sold on the open market on OpenSea, like eBay for NFTs. And so anyone could go if they didn't necessarily own a VFriends, but you did have to buy the VCon Access NFT. 
And I just checked just now, you know, three days out, they're selling for about 400 USD. But when they first came out, maybe, oh gosh, was it late April? They were going for thousands of dollars. So there's obviously people around the world who can't make it, don't want to travel or can't travel and are trying to at least get some of that that money. But (laughs) I was lucky enough to be given the free token by this very generous person and I'm will be forever grateful and we'll just find a way to make it up to them no doubt so I am off to Minneapolis in Minnesota it is coming into their summer so it's actually not super cool but it's kind of uh, the 10 to 20 degrees Celsius range which for this Queensland gal it does feel cold uh, and I need to have a good think about my packing because it's not going to be the usual winter for me. I think it's going to be even a little bit colder than I'm used to in Brisbane. (laughs) And that's not even, that's not, that's their summer. So yeah, very much looking forward to starting to think about what I'm going to wear and packing it. But I still feel like I'm in a bit of a limbo for just another eight hours or so. So what am I expecting from this conference? Well, to be honest, it is a it's a personal leave. I'm taking annual leave. It has nothing to do with my job. It's it's really just a curiosity and an interest of mine this NFT space. I'm not practicing in this area and I don't even understand what the legal issues really are. But <laughs> I don't think anyone does. We we are evolving and the space is evolving very rapidly and how it works with tax and intellectual property and property itself and asset distribution and uh, family planning in terms of you know a, an asset in a wills and estates situation it's it's all really just evolving before our very eyes uh, but I I have my little my lawyer brain on and looking at these issues and thinking this is really interesting but I just have the personal curiosity and I'm an investor and now you know a holder of some of these nfts uh, not not an incredible amount but enough that was a little scary to Troy, my husband and financial advisor, who was a bit like, okay, it's all just a pyramid scheme. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, it may very well be. But I am maintaining an open heart and open mind because I do believe that Web 3 or 3.0, as it is referred to, is really inevitable. The technology is so interesting and the distributed ledger of of assets on a blockchain, I think is just such a fundamental technology that we can't unsee now that we've seen it. The use cases are evolving and it's super exciting to just just to see and be a part of it. I'm never going to be someone that poo-poos something because it's a bit weird or it sounds a bit a bit odd or, you know, it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah, I, I probably am not going to jump in guns blazing necessarily but we'll always like to think that I'm going to have an open mind and dabble and at least try and test and play around with a little bit of money that's that's not going to you know break the bank so that I can understand the process and what it actually means and that has been um, a whirlwind and such an exciting learning opportunity um, and I have documented a lot of this on my Instagram at the in-house lawyer it's all saved on the highlights there just look for the little one that says NFT, NFT land. And it talks through even that bizarre, most fascinating situation that happened with the Dapper Dino's NFT uh, and resulting in me getting this egg that didn't hatch. And then I had the rare number one egg, which I still do own and hold. 
and has dropped significantly in value, might I add, but I'm a long-term holder in this one. And the Dapper Dinos team will be at VCon and I'll be hearing them speak and going up and introducing myself and saying hello. And I think that'll be pretty cool to meet these people in the real world. Apart from like NFT culture, there's definitely a focus on social media culture, Web3, the metaverse, a little bit of like AR and VR technology from what I can see on the agenda. And there's actually some epic musical acts as well. I, it's it's just iconic. Uh, so Snoop Dogg is playing and TLC uh, of, you know, I don't want no scrubs. Okay. All right. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sing anymore, but that was enough for you to know who I was talking about. I mean, it's, that's just iconic. I can't even get my head around the fact that they will be there. Um, and Mila Kunis, who is um, actress married to Ashton Kutcher, they play in the NFT space. She's speaking. Mark Manson, the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, he will be speaking. Lisa Mayer, who is the founder and CEO of the Boss Beauties NFT, she will be there. The World of Women team will be there. There's, there's too many to name, too many. And there's like Logan Paul and all these YouTube creators and TikTok creators and people that are super cool that I really don't know <laughs> about, but I feel like I need to know. Uh, there's just, yeah, there's, I think, 150 speakers across lots of different stages at the US Bank Stadium, which is where the Minnesota Vikings play. And if you just Google that, you'll see how massive and epic this stadium is, like US NFL stadium stuff. I've never been to a place like that. So the whole thing is going to be a unique experience. I'm beyond excited but just tempered by the fact that I mean any anything could happen um, I was at a wedding on the weekend and I haven't been mm, particularly oh I, I really haven't locked myself down and isolated I've upped the face mask wearing outside and hand sanitizer and just being you know even more conscientious but I can't say that I've been perfect in um, not hugging and saying hello to lots of people and that kind of leads me into the other conference that I was at recently, because that was not that long ago either. And I was hanging around with, you know, three or 400 people. Um, so, you know, kind of rolling the dice on that. I, May was never going to be the best month for me to be doing an international trip. I kind of knew that. I could see how it's panning out and it is what it is. So this other conference was in Sydney. The Legal Innovation and Tech Fest. And it was awesome. It was the first one that I had been to. I was absolutely aware of this conference and I I just remember seeing things in years gone gone by and I just had never kind of gone. It was on my radar, but not one that I made my way to. And this year was different. It was the first one back in person after two years of virtual conferencing. And I was asked to speak at the conference, which again would not have happened two or three years ago because I was asked to speak about this very podcast and the lessons that I've learned, the journey that it's been for me, and more broadly on the power of using modern content creation tools like podcasting to build and maintain and grow a personal brand online which I have done uh, more than ever before. And this podcast being that real pillar of content for me, which I started April 2020. So, you know, a month into pandemic lockdown and two years ago, almost to the day-ish. 
So it was a phenomenal experience to speak uh, on the main stage on the first day in the afternoon. And I, I, I can't tell you how much of a, what's the word? It was that that aha moment when I got off the stage, I really had this moment of like, wow, I loved that. I want to do more of that. And I suppose it was reassuring or reaffirming what I already suspected about myself is that I like to be on stage and I miss it. And I used to do a lot of musical theatre and speech and drama and all that jazz when I was at high school and university, uh, the law review and all of the things. And it's just not been a part of my adult life and I'm going to bring it back because it was incredible to share value, share stories. I made people laugh. I mean, there's no better feeling than when you kind of say a funny little joke and people just laugh, you know, spontaneously erupt. I wasn't expecting it and and it really was like, oh, wow, okay. There, There was that little moment of, oh, this is joyous and I'm going to chase that feeling. The rest of the conference was, you know, as the name would suggest, all about legal tech and legal innovation. So the legal tech vendors were out in force. There was an exhibition hall with lots of demos and lots of things to learn and try and people to chat with. The The real takeaway for me was, of course, that legal tech is split between pieces of software and technology that are aimed at uh, law firms and legal practice and then in-house legal teams as well. And there was a real, um, there was, I suppose, kind of those two camps there and some of them that that cater to both, but not many. And then within the in-house stream, which is kind of where I was focusing, the contract lifecycle management tools are still very much out in force and people are still interested and learning. It felt to me like it was a given that modern in-house legal teams need to have a CLM. Some of them are longer or further along the journey than others, but I think everyone gets it now. I think really there's been enough proof in the pudding, enough runs on the board and anecdotes and case studies from other from our colleagues in other legal departments to go, yeah, yeah, this is absolutely a thing. And so now some teams are figuring out how to get the budget or they've got the budget, but they're figuring out what vendors to go through. And I, I felt a little bit smug to be to be honest, because we've been through this, you know, 18 months ago and I've just been completely, completely invested all in on Ironclad and loving it. Without a doubt, um, we've had it for, a, yeah, almost 15, 14, 15 months now. So I, I was just seeing that we've, I felt like I was probably a little bit lo- further down that journey than other teams, but I think we could all agree it was just becoming like fundamentally non-negotiable to have something to take in your matters, so matter intake from the business to life cycle to to manage the life cycle of those matters and those contracts so from negotiation to signing to repository when they're signed and they go into archive and then pulling out meaningful reports from the repository you know that that entire piece is um yeah fascinating and if you want to know more about the state of CLM and more broadly legal operations and you obviously like podcasts I would highly recommend the Legal Ops podcast and uh, that's Alex and Elliot who head up that operation and I got to meet them both in person in uh, it was such a like little nerd pod crew just catching up and they have stickers now and I was like oh man I should get stickers that's cool <laughs> and so I got a Legal Ops podcast sticker on my laptop and it was just awesome to meet these people in person but that's such a fantastic resource so I would highly recommend that to you. 
I think the other thing to it's worth mentioning is that the personal brand piece was certainly a topic of discussion. Um, I spoke to it and Nick Abrahams at Norton Rose Fulbright started off the first uh, one of the first sessions with a bit of a keynote on that entire space. And it was, I was like, thanks, Nick, you've really set the scene for me, my friend in the afternoon. I actually really appreciated that because he spoke about having a reputation and, and using online presence to really cultivate that. So that was, um, that was very handy. <laughs> and then the other thing that jumped out at me was this fantastic new piece of tech, and it may be not so new to others, but it was to me, which is the AI contract review technology. Wow. Okay. So this feels like it's still early, early adopter stage on that innovation kind of curve, but I suspect we'll all get there in the same way that now CLM, it, it kind of just feels like it's absolutely non-negotiable. I suspect the next wave will be at least one of, uh, one of them will be AI contract review. So what does that mean? I, I did a brief demo with LexCheck and Tracy was very kind to kind of have a chat with me as well. Um, and she's, she's absolutely lovely and it was nice to see her in person. Basically, like I can't explain it. You literally send your contract. So like say we've got an NDA, you're going to send that to the bot, the AI, and you can name it. So it can be Kevin. I think is the example Tracy said, they they just say, we're going to send it off to Kevin. And Kevin reviews this NDA and spits back suggested red lines within like two minutes. And it just is like an email. Hey, Kevin's reviewed it. Here's the suggested red lines in markup. And I, I just could not believe the uh, I just don't know how to explain it, but it was like, oh, that's the work that I would have done. That's my lawyer brain, but the computer has done it. The computer has read the playbook that sits behind that the lawyer, you know, when you're setting up this this instance of this bot, you're really setting up all of the work and the, the thinking that goes in. If you see this kind of clause, then do this. If you see this kind of clause, then do this. So there's still that upfront work that a lawyer has to do, but then the repetition of just putting different documents against that playbook and spitting out, you know, where the variances are, that is a game changer. So I'm I'm all in. I think that's very exciting. It's it's certainly on my radar and I'm at that early adopter stage now of like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How do I pitch this to the business and have we got the volume of work to make it meaningful, which is the real question because I don't know if we do at this point, but I, I'm just mulling it over and having a chat with others in the team because I think medium term, it's it's definitely a thing that just is, oh my God, it's going to save so much time. And then, of course, with all that time that we've saved on repetition, we can use to value add and to upskill and to actually spend that time on more high value, high impact strategic work. So I don't think that the robots are going to kill all of lawyers jobs at all. I really, you know, that's not the point. And Daniel Susskind, actually the son of the, the Richard Susskind, who wrote uh, about the artificial lawyer and that the robots are maybe going to kill the profession, maybe not. Um, he spoke about that as well. And yeah, huge debate about it. I definitely don't think so. It's fear-mongering because the, the lawyer needs to still input the information. Then this repetition dull work goes away and we upskill, we up-level. We get to think about better ways of providing legal services to the business and focusing on the high value, high kind of impact deal. So I, yeah, win, win, win. 
So that is, that is definitely exciting me. The way I felt about kind of going through CLM vendor selection, I was getting that same vibe from AI contract review and I need to do more work and more understanding and what makes good AI and not so good AI. I have no idea. I really have no idea. I'm super early on this. So I suspect that others in the space will be learning and leading and I will be watching um, and, and very excited as well. And then, of course, I think the last thing to say, and it's probably going to go for both conferences, but we just cannot underestimate the joy and the connection of in-person events. Wow, wow, wow. I got to meet people that I've connected with online, LinkedIn and Instagram the last two years. You know, we got to meet in person. What an incredible experience just to just, I don't know how to explain it, except it was real connection and and real human interaction. Uh, gosh, I missed it. I don't think I could ever do a, I would never really take a virtual conference option again if I could get the in-person experience. I missed it that much. And I met so many wonderful listeners of the podcast that came up and said hello and they knew who I was. And one person recognized my voice because I was chatting away to my friend Crystal, who was also there and speaking on the panel. And um, that was quite funny because they overheard my voice and recognized me from my voice from the podcast. So that was fun. Um, And then I think... I think that that's probably the long and short of what I wanted to jump on and say. I'm actually really happy that I've turned my mind away from the fact that I'm feeling anxious about this test for at least 20 minutes. So let's see how it goes. You can follow along, you know, play along at home on my Instagram at the in-house lawyer. I will be, you best believe I will be creating a lot of content throughout this conference. It's not going to be legal stuff. Let's be real, but it's cool. It's so cool. And there are uh, three other lawyers that I know will be there. They're all, uh, all three are based in the US, but we've met up through Twitter. And so we're going to meet up and have like a little NFT VCon lawyer catch up thing. I don't know. Maybe there's others that we'll find. But um, yeah, this is going to be cool. And there's Aussie V, v friends going as well. Um, I've been following along in the Discord there. A couple of people from Brisbane even who have left already. They've made their way over there and I'm just watching the photos. Go, oh hopefully that's me soon so let's wrap it up there I hope you're all doing really well I know there's a lot going on in the world at large it's not all sunshine and rainbows and travel and excitement but uh, here's a little bit of lightness and and a reminder that there are things happening the world is opening and hopefully I get to go in and learn and be curious and see Snoop Dogg and sing no scrubs. I won't do it again though. All right, my friends, take care. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Council. Please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review for this show. Tell me what you'd love to hear more of and where you're listening from. To learn more about in-house practice, follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram.